0: Well today we are going to talk about the importance of knowing and staying in the gospel of grace since it is the only power unto life. It is very important to stay in the gospel of grace I found in my own life that as my focus go to legalism or the law or what man can do in his own power to bring forth change in this world. And as your focus is on that, you'll find that you are being drained from life. But as we focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ and we accept what he has done, the message of grace, and we're going to define grace today as the power of eternal life, that is working in each one of us. When we look at the grace of God that was promised us before the world began, and we're going to look at uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 there, very powerful verse, uh, we we will see that as we stay in this message of grace, we experience life. When I read the New Testament, and church, this might sound negative, but uh, this is truly what I see the Scripture teaches, is that uh, Paul was very concerned about people uh, staying in the message of the grace of God. He was concerned about people and that they would fall away from this message. And when you read John, I read First John. I, uh, yesterday I just basically took the whole day and I was just reading through First John and studying it out and reading cross-references and so forth. Uh, I see John being concerned with false teachers where they would come and bring another message. And the context of John here is that Jesus died for the sins, not just of the Jews, but for that of the whole world. And he puts the emphasis on the whole world because there were people coming, false teachers that was amongst them and uh, came and started to teach that the gospel is not ju- is not for all the world. It is for the Jewish people. And they started to teach that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. And what they try to say there is that the salvation that the Messiah brought is not a salvation of uh, the flesh of humanity, but that he is a Messiah for the Jews, and that he wants to uh, uh, bring a revolution to to the to the Jews and setting them free from the oppression that there would be in Rome and all those kind of things and what the people would bring their way that is that is what is being said Uh, and then to John it was very important that these people would stay in the gospel in the good news of Jesus and not be drawn away by the things of this world And by talking about the things of this world is basically that they would not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is what they should not do. But they should continue in the message of life waiting for Jesus' return, that they would not be ashamed in the day that Jesus come. And the only way you cannot be ashamed in that day is by simply this, believing on Jesus that is all believing on Jesus from where you have a life where you love people and that love that is referred to in first john is simply uh, accepting that accepting the fact that Jesus is the messiah for both Jew and Gentile and not excluding any people because of their race or a physical descent from the salvation plan now, this was of such importance that Paul would write, uh, I mean, in his message to the Galatians. He writes to them and he says, I don't, it's amazing to me that you, some of you have fallen away so quickly. And he basically knew that there would be people that would fall away from the simplicity that there is in Christ. Uh, the simplicity of the gospel that life is from god and it is a gift and it is by god keeping his commitment towards us the promise that he made from before the world began and just staying in that simplicity where we don't try to produce life uh, by our own system and uh, trying to find life through the flesh or the world and i'm going to read from what that what that also means So I want to encourage you today, and this is the purpose of this message. The purpose of this message is to tell you that it's very important not to fall away from the simple gospel of grace. Because when we look at the world, when we look at things around us, when we look at... I I mean, I grew up in this world, I'm, I'm 50 years old and I've seen things in this world. But if I see what's going on in the world now, maybe there were times when when it was worse but I didn't really know about it uh but if I look at what's happening now you look at I mean all the things that happened in 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 Canada that happened in America the last few years what's happening in uh, Eastern Europe uh, Russia wars fuel price uh, South African politics all those kind of things when you look at all those kind of things uh I mean, to other in other places in the world, it might, might go very well. I think it's going much better now than what it went during the Second World War. But in our mind, relative to what we perceive, uh, there are times when things don't really look good. And when things don't look good in this world, we would be drawn to try and fix the things in this world by our uh, by our power or military power or whatever it is. We would want to fix it because we think that salvation lies in how we fix the world. We need to get things stable uh, around us. And if we can get that right, then it is better for us. But when we look at uh, Christianity, when we look at what um, what the teachers said of that time, I mean, they would say, when you see war, run. That's what they would say. We saw that with the destruction of Jerusalem. They quickly said, listen, man, when you see these things come, make sure that you run into the mountains and hide in the caves. Uh, Do that because there's a destruction coming. And know that eternal life is given to you by Jesus Christ. So just get away from here. And then when you hear of wars and rumors of wars and those kind of things, don't think that that is how the world will end. It's not going to end in a war. It's not going to end in a struggle. The end of everything in this world is not uh, a, a third world war or a fourth world war where The world is completely destroyed by nuclear bombs and God's dream for the earth is now uh, gone and well now since the world is completely destroyed, those who are not in heaven. They they are, uh, or the people, since everybody is burnt up in a complete destruction of this world and a, a small remnant is saved, Jesus comes back and he now saves the world from, uh, saves Christians from this world that is an utter destruction. And since he's doing that, then we now go to heaven and this whole thing that God had with the earth is now gone. And now we sit in heaven And uh, there there we are and we worship every day sitting on a cloud. That is not how things end. And I want to read it to you. I want you to to be sure. Don't think that God is threatened by what Putin does. (laughs) Putin and his guns and and America and their guns and all these things is nothing to God. It's absolutely nothing. It's nothing at all. It is, it, it is uh, what the world can do and in all the destruction it can bring as pertaining to ending what God has done is absolutely nothing. Remember, Jesus, God, God in the human, Jesus in the flesh, in this real world conquered death. And if you look at weapons, what do they bring? They bring death. So if you come and you bring something that brings death, but God has conquered death and he's put the spirit of life in us, you are bringing forth, you're coming with a weapon that's not powerful enough. You will need a weapon that can end eternal life. And just the word eternal life is Just in the word, it says it cannot be conquered with death because it is eternal life. How do you conquer eternal life? It is impossible. And we are of the kingdom of life and light. And that is what God has brought us. Now, let me read Mark here. This is Mark 13 verse 5. This is in the context of the destruction of Jerusalem. Some would read it in the context of the end of the world. Doesn't matter how you read it, uh, the principle is the same. It says, And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and they will deceive many. So, what he's saying here, and I don't want to sound like an end time doom prophet and say, Oh, this is the last days, and they will false Christs would appear the only thing that this meant in the, in the day when this was written when when this was written by mark which is the oldest gospel the people at that time they were Christ's coming Christ to them was defined as political leaders that promised them freedom that is all that's all it meant today we see false Christs as somebody saying that he is Jesus Uh, the son of the living God but that is not what these people understood by these scriptures and I think it's very good church if we read scripture in its original context man what did it mean to the people back then and then we can see what it would mean to us today so what he's basically saying here is listen they will come political figures and they will say listen we are bringing you freedom And what they understood and what they waited for the Christ to come and do was to deliver Israel from Roman oppression. Because when this was written, uh, Jerusalem was not destroyed yet. It was before 70 AD, before 69 AD this was written. So he says, Jesus answered and said, Take heed, lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name. Now, when he says come in, in his name, they would not come Literally in the name of Jesus is what preachers would come today and say, I preach in the name of Jesus. They would come in the name of Messiah. They would come as Messiahs. And we find it even today. You'll find political leaders all the time coming saying, you know, I'm sent by God to bring political freedom here. Or what you would have is the expectation of a God-sent person to save the day, and I am that person. (laughs) It says they will deceive many. They'll deceive many. And that happens today. We find political figures, and what they do, and what people do is they come and they say, and what they present is like, listen, I'm bringing salvation here. Not salvation as going to heaven, but I'm saving the day. I'm the answer for the moment and that is what you know some would even say they are a godsend or they will portray themselves even if they would not even use the word God or the word name the name Jesus they would come in the authority of a messiah a deliverer from oppression like what you would find uh, Nelson Mandela was to uh, to the South Africans he came in the power of a messiah some people still see him as a messiah but He deceived people because even maybe not even willingly because people thought that through him they're going to start to live but they find they're still dying. Eternal life and immortality and life that is born from the eternal immortal God cannot be accessed through Mandela. Neither can it be accessed for the Russians through their savior Putin and neither can it be accessed for uh, the... Ukrainian people through what America does and what the allies would do, and all those. I mean, there's no life in that, it is just lies. It cannot give life. We, as believers, we have accessed eternal life, and that is what we live from. Now, listen to what Jesus says here He says, Many shall come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they will deceive many, they will bring a false hope. Just get your eyes away from what the real thing is. It says, And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. Okay, so when we hear of wars, and also not just wars taking place, rumors of more wars, uh, what shall we as the church do? Listen to what this is. this, This is written in red. This is the words of the Messiah the true Messiah. This is the words of him that fully trusted in God and never put any confidence in his own flesh, that put no confidence in himself to raise himself from the dead, but put all confidence in God. This is the words of perfection. This is what a person that knew that his flesh was mortal and that he needed resurrection from the Father and that he himself would partake in death, but would have to be raised from the Father. Listen to what he says. The one who now we we see as the son of the living God, who is by John called God himself, this is his words. He says, in the light of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. <laughs> Let me just see what that word in the in the Greek is there. Um It says here do not cry, cry aloud do not make noise by outcry do not be frightened do not allow your mind to be uh, to be troubled do not be alarmed do not be frightened do not be alarmed Do not be alarmed. That is what it says. For such things must need be, but the end is not yet. Or if we can look at that verse in the Afrikaans, it is beautiful. It it, says it this way. uh, So in other words, listen, if you hear of wars and rumors of wars, if you see your country being destroyed, listen, uh, the way I would translate that is, uh, don't be troubled that's not how things will end That's not how things will end that's not what things are going to amount to in the end of the in the end that is don't be afraid. what things amounts to in the end is glorification of the believer's physical body, the glory of God covering the earth as the as the waters covers the sea uh absolute manifestation of what Paul saw on the road to Damascus in every person and in everything on the earth that is what it amounts to for the things of this world is temporal it is not eternal it will pass away we need to understand that I want to read first John 2 15 it says love not the world neither things that are in the world if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, let me explain that. That does not mean uh, you cannot like the house you live in. You cannot think that it's a good house or the car you drive is a good car or or having gratitude towards um, the fact that uh, you are healthy, for instance, or that you, you've got gratitude, that you maybe have some money in the bank or something like that. That is not what it means when it talks loving the things of the world. I'm going to explain to you what loving the things of the world means. It says here, for all that is in the world, and now it explains what it is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at what that lust of the eye, listen to what it says here. It's very beautiful. Amazing how John mentions this. He says here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Genesis. Should have written this verse down. Um, This is a temptation of Eve. What's going on here is that he says to her that she should eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God did say, you must not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat thereof, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what he's basically saying is is that through the knowledge of good and evil, you will be able to attain unto eternal life or protection of yourselves. Uh, God is a self-existing one, but God knows that you can become self-existing if you have the knowledge of good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit, listen to what it says. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food can feed the body. It's pleasing to the eye and it is desirable for gaining wisdom. Now, the Jews understand gaining wisdom as having access to life. Now, linking that into this, we see here the lust of the flesh. In other words, it is good for food. It can feed you. So what happens here is Adam and Eve or Eve was tempted in thinking that through knowledge of good and evil, they will have access to feed themselves, to keep their bodies intact. It was uh, beautiful to the eye. And this is what it says here, the lust of the eye. It it feeds the beauty of the eye. It looks well. And then the pride of life, wisdom unto life, the pride of of we by our own ability can produce stability and life in this world and that is what we find so many times in the things of this world the the governments of this world what is it all about for most governments most governments it's the lust of the flesh what is good for feeding us so that we can continue to live what would clothe us in glory the lust of the eye, and what would feed our pride that we can promise life? What is wise unto life outside of God, where you're a God on your own without having life from him? That is what this is all about. And John writes a very relevant message in 1 John when he says to the people, listen. The world passes away, this is verse 17, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So what he's saying is, is that the world and its systems and how they think they will have life, that will pass away and the lust thereof, in other words, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and man eating from that and trying to gain wisdom from that, that will pass away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? They asked Jesus in John chapter 6. John wrote about this twice. They asked him, "What is the? what shall we do to work the works of God? Then he says, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. So when the scripture says that the systems of this world will pass away, but he that does the will of God will abide forever, what he is saying to you is that the systems of this world will pass away but you that simply do the will of God which is to believe and rely upon Jesus who rose from the dead who has accessed eternal life in the flesh he has that and he pours out his spirit of life Uh, In other words, we find that his flesh is not mortal. His flesh can uh, 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 radiate the fullness of God fully. His flesh, there's no barrier through his flesh. His flesh can show the fullness of God. And through his flesh that can show the fullness of God, the spirit of life, that which he radiates, is now poured out on us. So his radiation is affecting us, but we're not getting cancer through radiation. We are finding that our flesh is healed through what radiates out of him and we shall be forever. That is why Jesus could say in Mark thirteen seven. he could boldly say, Do not be troubled, for such things must be. But the, it's not, this is not how it's going to end. This world systems and what they do and these wars and everything, that's not going to mean the end for the church. A high oil price does not mean your end. A third world war doesn't mean the end for us. That's not how things end. We end in glorification by Jesus who will manifest himself in the earth. For he has inherited the earth. That is what Matthew 5 says and I preached about that uh, I think two weeks ago. Let me read that. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus Christ, uh, when we read Isaiah 58, talking about the fast there, he was talking about a humble heart, and he was poor in spirit, and that means to him belongs the kingdom of heaven. That is also true for us. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, and Jesus was meek, if you go and read Isaiah 58 for they will inherit the earth. So did Jesus inherit the earth? He did. He inherited the physical earth. <laughs> he inherited this and, and the Jews would have understand this as inheriting the earth would mean that the whole earth would be under the jurisdiction of the one who has humbled himself. So Jesus humbled himself even to the torture of death itself. He was raised from the dead and in his resurrection he inherited jurisdiction and rule over the earth whereby he can now rule with his life over this earth. And we who believe upon him, we stand upon uh, 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 in, in the, under his jurisdiction. We who make ourselves enemies of Christ by not believing in him or by thinking that salvation is outside of him, we will find that the jurisdiction of, we've not submitted ourselves to the jurisdiction of life. We stand in the power of ourselves. And this is what the scripture says. That world <laughs> will pass away. It is not forever, it will pass away, but that does the will of God abides forever. So I want to tell you doesn't matter how big the guns are, doesn't matter how powerful powerful the nuclear bombs are, that system and those who uh put their weight with that system will pass away. They will not be. But we who do the will of God, which is to believe upon Him when we sent. or let's go to First John four. And I don't have time to explain from verse nineteen, so we're just going to get to verse twenty-three. It says, "And this is His command." So if you want to know, God, what are you commanding us to do? What is your will? And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. What is his command? To believe in his name and to love one another as we believe in his name, meaning not to exclude any, and the Jews would have read this as, not to exclude the Gentiles in this truth. That is what it would mean. So. He who does the will of God. Will remain forever. I want to tell you. We cannot be wiped from the earth. It's impossible. It is impossible. Rome. And all its power. Or let me put it this way. Rome using. Its most powerful weapon. That it had back then. Which was the cross. It would be like the most powerful nuclear bomb today. Even more powerful than a nuclear bomb because a nuclear bomb just uh, destroys people. The cross was much more powerful than that. The cross was a humiliation, a drawn out humiliation of a person. There was a stigma about the cross. It was the power of Rome and its gods. That is what the cross was. It was a message sent to people. You remember that I spoke to you about one of the um, uproars that there was against Rome and then they took people and crucified them next to the road all the, way, all the way from Naples to Rome. Now that's like 200 and something kilometers. They crucified people every 20 or 30 meters and they would crucify a person. They'll take the army that stood up against Rome and they would take the cross, crucify people from Naples to Rome. This is in History. You know, I think it's in the time uh, uh, it, it was an uh, uproar like Spartacus in that time, and they would crucify people like that. What was the message? Our power that we have by which we rule is death. So if you don't do what we say, we'll kill you. We will destroy you. Death is what what we rule with. And then they took the power by which they subdued nations, and they applied it. To our Messiah and not just Rome we even found that his very own did it to him and then he entered into death and then was raised on the third day and exploded in eternal life and destroyed Rome by the resurrection because all of a sudden Rome had no more power their most powerful weapon did nothing to Jesus, and after they've applied their most powerful weapon, Jesus was now in a condition which was above anything that they could have, and he was indestructible, he was much better off after applying this weapon. And we stand under the jurisdiction of that man who has inherited the earth and brings his rule, and he has said, God says, that the lust of the world, the pride of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil by which the world lives, it will pass away. But we who believe, we shall remain forever. We are here to stay. What if you die? Well, I'm going nowhere. I will be raised here. (laughs) And we live here forever. Glory to God. That is what will take place. And we need to understand that. We as Christians don't live under the threat of death. We live under the assurance of eternal life. That is what we live under. And this is what the scriptures are talking about. Let me, uh, I didn't plan to do this, but let me go to uh, Thessalonians. It says brothers and sisters, now I want to. I have to do this in the in the Greek as well. First Thessalonians four, from verse sixteen. Listen to what it says here. This talks about what what God has promised us. How we can be sure that we have eternal life. We are not uh, tossed to and fro by anything. We are eternal in Christ here. That's it. We're not moving. We're staying. (laughs) Nothing can be done to us. We have eternal life. And this is what John is trying to tell the people. He writes to the people. He says to them, and this is his warning. He basically tells them, don't go over to the other belief system where there is just destruction. That is passing away and I don't want you to be on the side where things pass away. Stick with the gospel. Stay with Jesus. Don't be tempted and go over to destruction. You have Passed from death to life. You are under the rule of life. Stay here. Don't let these people deceive you. And then he even goes on in 1 John chapter 2. He says, if some of you are now sinning, you know, missing the mark, missing the goal, don't believe in Jesus. Remember that Jesus is still there for you. You you still have an advocate before the Father. Make use of it. Don't abandon what is before, uh, what God has placed before you. Believe in this good news. We find the same warning coming through Paul to the people in Galatia. He says to them clearly, he says, listen, man, I don't want you to fall from grace. What is grace? I don't want you to fall away from the power of eternal life. How would they fall away? By starting to believe in the systems of the world. So I want to say to you, and this is, I come with a fatherly heart and I preach this from the heart of a father and somebody who loves the church. Don't be swayed by what you see around you. Don't think that the systems of this world needs to be fixed for me to live. That's the temptation of the evil one. That is the message of the the Satan telling you, turn stones into bread so that you might also live from the systems of this world. I've said it before, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he said, uh, 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 the devil came to him and said, turn these stones into bread. And then Jesus said, we will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. The way the carnal mind reads that is that we will live by bread, but also, so we will not live by bread alone. So yes, we will will have bread, but we will live from every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. How the carnal mind interprets that is, we will have to have the physical bread, but we also need the word that comes. That that is not what is written there. What is written there is, we will not live by bread alone, but we will alone live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. That is what it means. We will alone live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. The the word that comes from the mouth of the Father is the promise of eternal life. And that word became flesh. And we find eternal life coming into darkness, which was the systems of this world, but also the darkness of the mortal body of Jesus born from Mary. And the darkness could not overcome The promise of eternal life and the flesh of Jesus was consumed by the promise of eternal life and he was raised from the dead and the glory of God's promise was not veiled by mortality anymore and it was was shining into this world. And the life that was in Jesus which could not be overcome by death but overcame death is now giving light to every man. That is what enlightens us. And that is also what then takes away what veils life in us, which is our mortality. And we start to find the eternal life of God shining forth in and through us. And it shines forth in this way, love, kindness, goodness, and the fruit of the Spirit. So we are not overthrown by what happens in, the, in this world. Neither do we want to fix the world so that we can have life by it. For we shall not live. It's like if somebody comes to you and say, you first need to s- fix the things in your country before you can have life. Then you can tell him, no, no, we will not live by politics alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. It can be understood as you need amalgamation of both. No, we only live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And what is the word that is of the Father? We call him Father. The word of the Father is, he is the Father and he promises that he'll give birth to eternal life to us. That is what it is. Thessalonians says this way, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So what is the saying? We're saying, because the question is, what if something happens and somebody dies? What about the Christian that has died, the the Russian Christian that is in the army there that has now died? Or what about the Ukrainian Christian that is a believer in Jesus that has died now because of this war? What about them? Listen to what he says here. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. This is not how things end. This is not how things end. So that you do not, uh, do not grieve like the rest. We don't want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. I want to read what that word with means there. Here it is. It is a union which which talks about m- putting together. It talks about Unity. It is denoting unity, and it is stronger, says the Greek, than the word with or beside. So what he's saying is is that in the day when Jesus is manifested, God will unite those that has died and put them in union with who and what Jesus manifests at. In the day he manifests, in the last day, he will unite those who has died with the uni- with the fullness of what Jesus is. And verse sixteen then says, the graves will open up, the dead shall be raised. That's how you God will bring those who have died together with Christ. He will unite their condition with the condition that Jesus finds himself in at the re- at at his glorification or at his return. We can put it like that. So it does not end for us with wars and rumors of wars and those kind of things. No. We need to understand that we are the eternal in Christ. We, we, are, we have eternal life. We cannot be phased by death and the threats of this world. And that is what 1 John is actually about. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 1. We've only got five minutes left and now I'm reading the first verse that I wanted to read for the message. Sorry about that. It says here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, sorry this is John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was God's promise of eternal life, that's what that word word means. He was with God in the beginning, now he uh, makes that concept of the promise of eternal life the person Jesus. Through him all things were made that was made. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In this person Jesus, which is the promise of eternal life for us, was life. And the life was the light of mankind. That light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's not overcome it in Jesus and still not overcome it. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, First John now, which we have looked upon and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. So it wasn't just a promise. This thing that God has promised did appear. It is not, I mean, Think of having a human being that can never die, that's above death, that is greater than the power of Rome, that's greater than the power of Russia, that's greater than the threat of China, that's greater than the threat, if you live in Russia, the threat of the US, Uh, that's greater than the threat of the oppressor, which, which is what hangs over your head is death and destruction. The, the the God promised eternal life, but for many years it was just a promise. Nothing was seen. But then, what God promised was seen. It was manifested. It was made known. This is what it says. It appeared to us. Then it says here, let me read verse 2 again, the life appeared. How? In Because it was always, okay, there's a spiritual life. God is eternal spirit. But he promises us eternal life. But when, how does it look? Will it ever happen? It then appeared in the man Jesus, what God promised. Appeared. It's there. It's real. It happened. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared To us. It's a reality. It's appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Listen to to the, the reason why. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this so that your joy and our joy may be complete. So what is he saying? He's saying to them, listen, this has appeared. And now we're writing this to you so that you can believe that you can also fellowship in eternal life as you believe upon the resurrected Christ and what it encompasses. So at the end of the day, what he's saying is, is Jesus was raised from the dead. We who believe in him, we have something in common. We are like fellowship. The one person says fellowship's definition is two fellows in one ship. Is like father and son is in one ship. That ship is called eternal life. And we are now fellowshipping with them. What do we fellowship in? Eternal life, man. That is what we have our fellowship in. And they are now saying that as you believe, you have fellowship in eternal life. And what John is, is basically saying, if you read further on, he says here that... Uh, we should stay in this fellowship in belief in Jesus so that we are not part of the world that passes away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So I want to encourage you. Don't be overcome by what the darkness that is showing. This darkness, whatever you see that's evil, is passing away, my friend. It's passing away. Wars will pass away. They will cease. It will cease. I, I promise you now. Mortality itself will pass away. Everything that's evil will pass away. Whatever you see that is evil is temporal. It's temporal. It's not evil. Whatever, uh, it, it is not eternal. Whatever is good, and good as in born of God, not good by willpower of man. Listen. If you're a Greenpeace person and you want to protect the world as an atheist and you're thinking you're going to protect the world as an atheist and the earth because you th- say all we have is the earth, we're going nowhere, we are we are um, just mere matter in motion and there's no... Future for us, there's no God, there's no resurrection, there's nothing like that. So, we want to protect the earth, and you want to use uh, measures like uh, no nuclear power stations, no pumping of oil, and all those kind of things. And you want to so protect the earth without believing in God, your system, just saying it straight out, what you try, including you, will pass away. It is not eternal. The only way the earth can be preserved is by one man, Jesus Christ and the power of God in that man. The only way we can have access to that is by relying and believing upon Jesus. And whatsoever is born in man on account of Jesus', Jesus spirit that's poured out on man, that will be eternal that effort shall be seen as something that worked together as the work of God in the last day. It shall not be burnt up. It shall not be destroyed. It shall not enter eternal destruction. But whatsoever man does that is not born from the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I tell you now, it is not eternal. It will pass away. It will absolutely pass away. I want to tell you, if be it constitutions be it countries be it whatever it's temporal man only thing that's eternal is the kingdom of god and those who are under its rule who believes upon and is born of god which you are part of so let us not be overthrown in our minds in thinking and believing what the world believes and find ourselves in the system that passes away let us find ourselves in that which is eternal by belief in Jesus Christ. I'm going to end off with this. This is what this will be a powerful uh, scripture. It says here in Hebrews two verse fourteen. I, I I trust that as I preach this, that you can feel how fear for death is just falling off. It says in Hebrews 2.14. Since children have flesh and blood, he too shared in humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who had power over death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Isn't that beautiful? It's, we were kept as slaves. How were we kept in slavery? By fear of death. But now we are not enslaved to the system of the world to try and work the world system because we're not afraid of death. Because our fear of death has, has, has been conquered. For we know even if we sleep in Christ, he will bring us with or bring us and unite us to the condition Jesus is in. God will do it by Jesus Christ. It says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that you have been set free. Freedom from what? Freedom from the fear of death and death itself. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. What was the yoke of slavery? And stand, uh, uh, he came to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So let us not go into that. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. The reason I'm not afraid is not because I decide I'm not afraid and I'm brave. No, the reason I'm not afraid is because God has convinced my heart through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he has power over death. And what also gives confidence to my heart is the fruit that I see is coming into my life because of the resurrection of Jesus. I am not loving people because of the law. I'm not loving the people because of commandment. I'm loving people and I have the fruit of the spirit in my life by the doing of God. I'm under no command to to, to go and be generous and kind and whatever. I find that the way I think, the way I reason, and I'm not saying I see it manifesting perfectly, but I can say that I'm seeing, and if you look at your own life, you will be able to confess and say that I'm seeing the fruit of Jesus in my life. And that assures me that God is already busy with what he has promised in my life. I've seen Jesus being raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God by revelation of the Holy Spirit to my heart. And so you. We have seen it just historically. And by that, we don't have fear of death. So I want to tell you, whenever death wants to speak to you, The only thing death can say and I've put it a while back that painting on called Checkmate that I have here in my studio. The grave is empty, man. The mouth of death. When death opens its mouth you'll see there's no corpse there. It couldn't keep Jesus and it cannot keep you. Glory to God. Well, I've come to the end of my message. There's still more to say but I'm I don't want to keep you guys too long. Uh, Thank you so much for slotting in. Thank you that I could... Can you just bring the people up on the screen for me please? Um, Thank you so much that that you've joined in. It is so wonderful to have all of you here and I trust that you are encouraged by this message. Church, as we gather around this good news, we gather around life. It's life-giving, it brings peace, it brings joy. I would like to pray for you, and uh, as a church, uh, we're gathering together around the the gospel, and there's power in this gospel, there's signs, wonders, and miracles in this gospel, and we expect signs, wonders, and miracles to take place, and that is what God has promised, as signs of the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm going to pray for you today. Father, I want to thank you that as I stretch forth my hands, to this web fellowship via the Zoom meeting where we are gathering together as I stretch forth my hands to them and also in this prayer, I thank you, Lord, that everybody that will watch this later on, whatever platform it is placed, that I thank you that you stretch forth your hand to perform signs, wonders, and miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for healings that take place any form of sickness, that it is being healed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, any form from any sugar, diabetes, cancer, whatever it is. Autoimmune disease. I thank you, Father, that you just heal people. Signs, wonders, and miracles take place. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is Convinced us of your good news. Amen and amen. Well, church, thank you so much. Is there a are there questions? You can just read it for me. Just question, what we do now in Christ, him us that is never destroyed, only evil and Okay, I'm just reading it says, just a question. Uh what we do now today in Christ, uh okay, him through is that is never destroyed? I, can you just answer the question? Just, just to ask me the question. What is he asking? Yes, is destroyed. yes, I agree. Whatever we do now, and this is a very good observation, and, I, and I'm glad that you picked up uh, on this, Isat. This is exactly what it is. Whatever is done now that is born from God is eternal. This conversation that we have now, this question that I've answered now and its effect, the effect it will have in the world, this meeting we've had via Zoom, is not born from the works of the flesh. It is absolutely born from the power of the resurrection and the this—the effect that this will have in my life and in your life and in the lives of other people. Will be seen in the day of Jesus Christ. It shall not pass away. It's forever, and that's why the Bible says, "He who builds with hay, wooden stubble, that will burn away in the last day. But those who build with gold, silver, and precious stones, when the fire comes, it shall not be destroyed, but remain." So we will see what what is he said here. Stand it uh, into eternal life. Amen. Glory to God thank you for that Isette. A very good uh, observation you've made there sometimes we you know you say things you wonder people pick up on it uh, it is wonder it, it blesses me to know that this conversation can never die it is it, it is eternal uh, whatever the greatest news medias would ever blast all over the world with the greatest mega 10 megawatt senders and all the internet news which is not of God cannot Even the history book will be destroyed. That history will be destroyed. There will be no, the Bible says there will not even be a thought of that left. It will will be so destroyed that it would not, a person that is in the life of God would not even have the ability to remember it. It will even be removed from our memories. That's how dead it will be. (laughs) Glory to God. That is how, well. So I think that that's what we can see and rest in. God is only good, and He's come to give us life. Well, Church, thank you that we uh, could join together in this message. And for those of you that are in the on the WhatsApp and you want to fellowship a little bit about after this, uh, this is an opportunity for you to pray for one another if need be, or to fellowship around this good news, encourage one another in this message. Uh, we'll just keep the Zoom meeting open for you and divide you into the different uh, break uh, breakaway groups. So, okay, we will then chat again uh, next Sunday. And for those of you that are, uh, are not on the, uh, what, in the WhatsApp group or the Telegram group, just write to us, info at dynamicministries.com, and then we will add you uh, onto the daily devotional where I speak along the lines that I've just preached. Thank you so much, and then we will chat again uh, next week. God bless you.